Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. I am your host, Dave Gasper, joined, as always, by Matt Carroll. We are the editors at ReviewingBrew.com. It is June 9th, and uh, things are not going super well um, here on the Cold Brew Podcast. I am opening my beer, my Miller Lite, and I really wish, Matt... That it were something stronger because after the homestand the Brewers just had, we might need something stronger than just a beer. Yeah, that was uh, not so great. Um, just got came off of being swept by the Phillies, which was great to watch in person for my first game of the year <laughs> uh, today. Which uh, side note, by the way, I've now been to three Corbin Burns starts and not seen the team win a single one of them, which is odd of all people. One of those was in 2019, though. Well, uh, doesn't count. You said and that season count. is a myth. Yeah, yeah it never I mean, happened. <laughs> we don't talk about it. Just like, like I said, like like Bruno and Fight Club, we don't talk about 2019 Corbin Burns. Um, but yeah, I so have never seen that movie. Whatever it was that we don't talk about. What, what, what movie is that from? Um, the Encanto, the Disney one. I've never seen it. It is good. It was good. I mean, I, I watched it because I have a niece and nephew and see uh, lots of Disney movies because of them. But as I mean, for a Disney movie, it was still very good. Like, Did you see Top Gun Maverick? Since, since the Brewers are doing oh, so bad, let, let's talk movies a little bit. Have you seen Top Gun Maverick yet? I have not. And I have literally yeah. only heard good things about it i haven't heard a single person who said it's i haven't heard a single person even say it's mediocre who has it is it. so good i went i went to see it last weekend it was amazing man it like it had everything you could ask like as a fan of top gun it had pretty much everything you could ask for uh in that movie the callbacks to the original were good they didn't overdo it like you know the, like you could have a tendency to overdo it I, I didn't think it was overdone. I, I thought it was done extremely well. I mean, especially considering, I mean, everyone knew, knew this beforehand, so this, this shouldn't be a spoiler, especially considering Goose's kid is one of the main characters. Um, you know, I think it was, I think it was really well done. I think it uh, tied things up pretty well. All, everything's all good, fun, action, um, really great stuff there. And like, like, like when you start off, with launching an F-18 on a carrier and like you, like you hit the, that point on danger zone, the song where it's like, it just like, it just like ramps okay. up and you, like you launch it. Like, you're just like, Oh my God, this is amazing. America <laughs> get, you get chills on your arms and everything and down your spine. And like, Oh, so good. Highly well, recommend. Yeah. I will be seeing that at some point. I don't see a whole lot. I've pretty much only seen like a few Marvel movies in the theaters in the last, I don't geez, 10 years. <laughs> um, yeah. But that one I might make an exception for. Yeah. You know, with uh, bringing back uh, old guys to, to take on roles that they filled before, can we get Ryan Braun maybe to help the offense Duh. for the Brewers? I, I know I've seen that somewhere. I know it's not happening, and it probably wouldn't even be much help. Uh, especially considering how far away he's been from the game, but this Brewers offense needs some help, man. Yes. We're gonna we're gonna switch it back to baseball now. It, that was the most miserable scoring homestand I have ever seen. They got shut out what three times in that homestand? Yeah. Like it's it was brutal. Like I remember a homestand earlier in the year where they hit like 20 home runs in six games. They yeah. scored what nine runs the entire homestand? Uh, Four of them were was- in one game. Three, five, ten, fourteen. Fourteen the entire homestand? Yes. Seems like a lot, actually, compared to what we've seen. Yeah, nine nine against in the four games against the Padres and a whopping five against the Phillies in three games uh, against the Phillies. Five runs. Oh, uh, they are if you if you add that last game against the Cubs, which was on the road but was in June. Um, for the month of June, the Brewers are scoring 2.125 runs per game. And yes, that's not enough, out. Matt. No, that is very much not enough. Like last year, we hit this big stretch where the Brewers are barely scoring over three runs a game. 
And we were saying that's not enough. It's got to be at least four because when the Brewers score above four, generally they win considering their pitching staff. Um, so two, uh, that that is for for you non-math majors at home. I'm not a math major either, but uh, two is half of four. And so that is half the runs wow. the Brewers need roughly to be successful. Uh, they that, need more than that today, but um, that's and different. that is the extent of the math on this week's yeah. podcast episode. Yeah. You're welcome, everyone. So, so much math. No, that two is half of four. You know now. Yeah, now we got a. Th- this podcast is not only entertaining; it is also educational. You, you, you're. <laughs> You're here. You're getting your movie trivia today. You're getting a math lesson. Um, let, maybe we'll th- throw in some geography and some history later, and you can just go get your uh, high school diploma after this. You've learned everything from one episode of the pod. Yep. There you go. That's uh, that's all you need. So, yeah. Actually, what all we need is is more offense, and yes. it's just it's it's not happening. Everyone's in a slump. You know, Craig Council has even admitted this, and you know we've been trying for a week or so here to try and get Craig Council, you know, into the lead for most managerial wins in Brewers franchise history. And it's like, oh yeah, you know, you know the the losing streak to end the to end the road trip. That's fine because that way we can just be able to do it at home, and then the Brewers have a chance at home, and they don't do it. Mm-mm. They can't get it done. I mean, they they won the first game via a miraculous ninth inning comeback. I mean, I don't know how they pulled that off. And then like it's like it, it's like in um, Avengers, you know, like when you're asking, you know, Thanos, whatever. It's like, what did it cost? Everything. Like <laughs> it literally cost Bruce the entire homestand. Like you you wanted to win this one game. You're going to have to lose every single other game on this homestand. And that that's just how it went. It, w- it was miserable. Yeah. Yeah. They literally, after that comeback, did not score again for three games. They got shut out Ugh. the next two games, uh, seven to zero and four to zero by the Padres until uh, Sunday, where they actually scraped up some runs. But then uh, and then they lost 10 to zero. Yeah. And that, yeah. Then in Philly comes to town. You got a 10-0 in there, a two to three. That and of course, of course, like when, when it, it, they're in one of those funks where when one thing goes wrong, everything goes wrong. Even when it seems like everything's going your way and you've got a win in the bag, your closer who hasn't given up a run all year gives up two bombs in the same inning to like, match Veerlane. Who the hell is Matt, Matt Veerling and, and what's his name? Stott? Bryson Stott? Bryson Stott, yeah. The I think prospect? Stott's a rookie. Who's hitting like a buck 88 and Veerling yeah. who like just got called up. It's like, what? Like of all, like if you if you gave up a home run to Harper or something, you'd be like, okay, fine. You know, whatever. Harper's good. I get it. Right. But Bryson Stott and Matt Veerling are the ones that hit the hit the home runs off Josh Hader, ending his streak, everything else, like, what? Yeah. Yeah. I am shooketh, Matt. I am shooketh. Shooketh to the core. Uh, But it's, that's, that just goes to show, like, that's how, that's how bad things are going for the Brewers right now is even, even when you've got to win all but guaranteed, even that one slips through your fingers. And then today we were talking about this before we started recording if it weren't on the end of a current five-game losing streak, I actually would have been felt a little optimistic after today because the Brewers scraped together 11 hits and three walks. Uh, they only were able to turn it into three runs, but that's getting a lot of guys on base. You know, you're just not clumping them together in the right spot to produce enough runs. So if I were to have looked at this as just a random game with no context, I would have said, Okay, well, they're seeing the ball okay. You know, uh, Yelly went, I think it was two for four with a walk. Um, Hunter Renfro had a homer. Uh, Adamas had a homer. So you feel a little bit better about them having, uh, coming back now. Uh, McCutcheon had a hitter, too. Um, he had that one super, super late uh, single down the right field line that scored a run. Like, things were happening separately on offense that would normally make you feel like, okay, well, this is something they could build on, but it's 
it's now their fifth loss in a row. And so it's hard to overly feel optimistic. Like, like I'll take the silver lining, I guess, but I, I don't feel as optimistic as I might had this game happened nearly any other time during the season. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a brutal stretch here. The, the past couple of games, you know, just, just all around the offense, you know, the pitching hasn't done what it's supposed to do. The bullpen has, has struggled. Corbin Burns, his last two starts has mm-hmm. failed to go five. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he really kind of struggled on Thursday here. I mean, that second inning took forever, man. I mean, you, you were there. You witnessed it live. Like, I was just watching on TV, and it felt like it took forever. I mean, all the counts went long. He only gave up one hit, only gave up one run, but it took him 41 pitches mm-hmm. to get through that inning. I mean, that's that's absurd. Yeah, I, I honestly thought we were in danger of, you know, we were close to getting in danger of him being pulled for the same reason that um, – Ethan Small was pulled in his debut because he was getting to the point where he was just throwing too many pitches in an inning. Uh, he finally ends up getting out of it. But it was crazy because he he just mowed through those first three batters, strikeout, 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 to start the mm-hmm. game. And it didn't look like any of them were anywhere close to getting a hit off him. Like, oh, this is going to be a good Corbin Burns day. And then the second inning was as much of a struggle as the first inning was easy. Amazing that he got out of that with just giving up the one run. Um, but no, it, that you're yes, that inning did 100% feel like it was taking forever. And then like right after that or during it or whatever, we get word from Adam McCalvey that um, the Cardinals and Rays had finished an entire game in an hour and 59 minutes. Uh, they, you could have literally fit the Brewers game took over four. You could have literally fit two games of the Cardinals and Rays into our game today. Um, but it was just it was they made him work during that inning. And then they continued to make him work after that. And unfortunately, yeah, he was not able to end up going five again. Yeah. And I think I saw as well from uh, McCalvey. That Corbin Burns in his start today, he threw, what was it here, 113 pitches, two pitches shy of the eight innings he threw in his uh, combined no-hitter last year with Josh Hader. Um, So just about the same amount of pitches and half the amount of innings. I mean, it was, he went to two strike counts on pretty much everybody. Uh, essentially, I mean, everyone seemed to work at full. I mean, he got some strikeouts, yes, but four walks, mm-hmm. which set a career high for him. And really, Matt, I think this is as sure a sign as I have ever seen of the impending apocalypse <laughs> and the end of the world. Corbin Burns walked four batters in a game. That doesn't happen. That never happens. And... It happened. It happened here against against the Phillies, and I am, uh, you know, I think tomorrow I may need to go pick up some big bags of rice, uh, pick up some some boxes of ammo, maybe because uh, the apocalypse is coming, and it it might already just be here. Yeah, I I mean, looking up the game log. Uh, so far this year, it, we he had three walks in that very, very first outing. Um, that was when every Brewers starter had a rough turn uh, their first time through the rotation. And then after that, uh, it was two or less walks, which is that that is the Corbin Burns we have come to know and love. Um, in fact, what is that? Five, six, seven of those outings, seven of the ten outings after that first one were one walk or less. Um he just doesn't he doesn't walk people it just doesn't happen but he did, they they were putting swings on what fouling things off like they were fighting just long enough to draw those walks against him today and it was it was a issue that plagued the entire team um they ended up walking seven Phillies batters Ugh. for the day like you're you're not going to win very many games if any when you walk seven guys on the other team Um, and on top of those seven walks they had, I think it was either eight or nine hits um, as well. So plenty of guys on the base paths for the Phillies today. Perfect recipe for disaster. 
Yeah, nine hits for the Phillies. The Brewers out-hit the Phillies. The Brewers had 11 hits, and they scored only three runs. Mm -hmm. And it's bad. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, like, like, okay, you know, 11 hits. Like, okay, yeah, you know, that's a fairly solid day at the plate, actually. And, you know, the Brewers did have some some nice hits. You know, Willie Damas going yard. That was nice. Christian Yelich, two for four. He seems to be responding – well, to be in the leadoff spot the past couple of days. Victor Caratini, three for four. Yeah. Um, but well, I think we need to talk more on Yelich right now because Yelich has been put into the leadoff spot now. Willie Domus is back. Hunter Renfro is back. And everyone's kind of been clamming for a while. It's like, okay, take Yelich out of the three-hole because he's clearly not the player that he was. And, you know, he can still get on base. He can still draw some walks and, you know, get some base hits. But he's not hitting for power. So take him out of the three hole and we're like, all right, let's put him in the leadoff spot. And so far he seems to be responding pretty well to it um, and, and getting some nice base hits. I think he's on a three game hitting streak um, being in that, being in that leadoff spot. He had two hits, uh, two hits on Thursday here. I believe he had a hit yesterday and then uh, two hits the day before. So, I mean, maybe that's, that's the secret to kind of getting him out of this. Yeah. And you know, I, I think it's hard to imagine having your best player not be in that classic three hole or four hole spot. Like that's, that's how like baseball has just kind of always worked is that's where you always end up having your best hitter. But if you, you got to come to realize, I guess that like, that's things work so much differently. Uh, Managers construct lineups way different than they used to back in the day. And if you look across the league right now, Moogie Betts, one of the best players in all of MLB leads off for the Dodgers. Shohei Otani leads off for the Angels. You've got a player like uh, uh, Springer in Toronto. You know, he leads off there, uh, just constantly hitting leadoff bombs for them. Um, having your best player, most talented player, let's let's put it that way, because um, Yelly isn't necessarily playing like the best player, but he is clearly the most talented Um having them lead off isn't such a bad idea these days. And particularly when you have a guy with Yelich's skill sets. Um, he, I tweeted yesterday, he's seven for seven so far in steals. Hasn't been caught yet. So we know he's a, he's a very, very smart base runner. So if he gets on base and someone gets a hit after him, you know, high chance of him taking extra bases or putting himself in a good position to score. Um, you get him on second, you get a single to the outfield, you're probably going to be able to send him and have a high percent of success that he's going to score a run. It makes a whole lot of sense having him in the leadoff spots. Um, but I get the resistance because you just, you always want to have, he's so talented that it's hard to pull him out of that three spot because if guys get on base ahead of him, when Yelly is in full Yelly mode, he's going to knock him in. But why can't he be the one to be knocked in? And so you, you can also do plenty of damage. You can hit leadoff home runs. You can uh, get RBIs when guys at the bottom of the order are getting on base, which the Brewers have some success doing here or there when you've got a guy like Jace Peterson, when you've got a guy like Omar Narvaez down there who is actually hitting, well, when he was not out on the COVID IL, was hitting better than the rest of the team. Um, he'll still get those opportunities. So, it, it's it's not a bad idea, and he seems to be like you said, he's responding well to it. Yeah, and and that's something that the Brewers really kind of need to see because Yelich is getting paid twenty six million dollars a season for the next seven seasons. Uh, he's here, whether you like it or not. Uh, full no trade clause. He's not going anywhere. So if the Brewers are going to be successful, they need Christian Yelich to perform to uh, high levels. Um, because, you know, with, with him taking up that much of the payroll, they're not going to have the ability to sign anyone else, uh, especially a market value, to be that guy in the middle of the lineup. Yelich has that ability. Like, few other guys have that. Like, Hunter Renfro is a really good player, but he doesn't have the ability to be that guy mm-hmm. in the middle of the lineup. You know, Rowdy Telez, I love Rowdy Telez. I don't think he has the ability or the ceiling to be that guy. In the middle of the line to, to put up MVP level numbers, elite level numbers. Um, Yelich does have that ability, but that ability may have come and gone. Um, you know, talking with, you know, looking at uh, Will, Sa- like Will Salmon put up an article, friend of the podcast, Will Salmon. 
he put up an article the other day, you know, kind of talking with uh, Aaron Nola about his approach facing Christian Yelch because Nola absolutely dominated the Brewers in his outing. Went eight innings. It was he dominated them. And the way he's approaching it and the way it seems like other pitchers are approaching it is like they are still terrified that Yelich can be that 1,100 OPS type player that he was in 2018-2019. So they're still approaching him with caution. Um, and Yelich, meanwhile, is still kind of in a funk. And they don't want to be the guys to to get him to let him get out of it. Um, so I think that also makes it a little bit more difficult when they're pitching him like he's an MVP and he's not swinging like an MVP. That makes things all the, all the more tough on him to get out of it. But one thing that I found really intriguing, I mean, when, when it comes to looking at his numbers, you know, he, he's got the hard hit rate that's still up. You know, you know that's kind of back to old levels. Um, you know, the barrel rate, things like that. He should be doing a lot better based on these numbers. Now, however, the big problem is he's hitting the ball on the ground a lot more often than he used to. Uh, I believe at his highest rate since like 2016, uh, back when he was with the Marlins. Um, so he's hitting the ball on the ground. His launch angle is down. Um, and, you know, you can hit, you can barrel it or, or hit it hard all you want. You can hit it 110 miles an hour. But if it only goes 15 feet before it hits the ground and, and it just goes to second base, goes right to the second baseman, there's none like the, it's not helpful. It's not productive. Um, but one thing that I found really intriguing when just kind of thinking back about this, Christian Yelich, do you, you remember Christian Yelich at the height of his powers, 2018, 2019, and everyone's asking, it's like, okay, what'd you change? What'd you do? How'd you go from just kind of this, you know, good hitter, not much power to all of a sudden hitting for a ton of power and still being a great hitter. He, he was able to get the ball in the air. He always hit the ball hard, always had a high ground ball rate. But now he was hitting the ball hard and getting it in the air, increasing the fly ball rate. And he said, I'm not doing anything differently. Like, he didn't make a conscious decision. He didn't make a mechanical swing change in order to lift the ball in the air more. It just happened. And now he's not able to do that. He's not able to lift it in the air. And... I feel like he just doesn't know because he didn't make a swing change to get there in the first place. I feel like he doesn't know how to adjust to, to do it again, to get that success because he's doing the same things he was doing before and he's just not seeing the results. So I think that's incredibly frustrating since he found it before while not making a change. And now he's doing the exact same thing and it's not there. Yeah. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. It's actually uh, Quite a bit to think about. Um, I don't know. I know it went on a bit of a long rant there, but <laughs> no, but it, it totally. I mean, that's a it's a smart connection to make. It makes it makes a lot of uh, sense actually. That leap in logic. Um, and as for what the answer is, then that makes it even tougher. It makes it tougher for the uh, hitting coaches to kind of figure it out. It makes it tough for Yelich to figure it out. Um, I don't know. I, I guess it, it's it is weird that he goes through these stretches when we were declaring, you know, you know, I, I decided to say it just for the hell of it because it felt good to say that Yelich was back and now he's very much not back anymore. But when he was, he was doing those things again. He, he hit that grand slam. He was hitting it hard, but he was hitting hard line drives or he was hitting hard, you know, fly balls that were, you know, turning into doubles in the gap or off the wall or whatever. Like, he was just randomly doing that again, and now he's not. Like, he did have the two singles today, and that's great. Um, but they were both grounders up the middle that just happened to be, you know, where the— They happened to find a hole. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't necessarily know that, like, you know, it, it's good. You know, he needs to make it happen however he needs to make it happen, but it's not, you know, I don't see those two singles and go, oh, yeah, Yelich is back again. Like, it's, okay, Yelich got a couple singles, and that's good. He needs to keep doing it, but I would also rather see him getting more solid contact than that if he can. He did uh, hit an opposite field line drive right to Schwarber um, that, you know, if the positioning is different, ends up being a double in the corner. That, that one was unfortunate, but was very well struck. But yeah, how how you just switch from hitting ground balls again to hitting line drives and hitting fly balls when you don't know how you did it in the first place? 
<laughs> uh, good luck, I guess. I I got nothing for that. Uh, I yeah. I would I would prefer personally because you you mentioned his baseball savant page. Yeah, you pull it up. It's a lot of red. That's great. That's a lot of like top half of the league. Even uh, better than that in some of those things. Um, type numbers, except for his K rate, his uh, strikeout rate, which was actually looking pretty decent at one point this season, um, has started to creep up there again. He's just a tad over 25%, which would be his second highest rate ever. Um, Just the only one that beats it is that terrible, terrible 2020 season. So I'd love to see him get that back down again. Um, But as for the... Ground ball to fly ball ratio, boy. If if he doesn't even know how he did it in the first place, then good luck solving that problem, I guess. Yeah, I I don't know what it what it could be. If it's a mechanical thing that he just didn't know he made, mm-hmm. but it, but it happened, or if it was a, a mental adjustment, something with the approach, you know, whatever it is. I mean, I remember him talking about like you know the drills of like swinging down and like you know feel like you know his hands are swinging down. Maybe it's something getting back to that. I don't know. You know, if there was an obvious answer, Yelich would have found it by now. You right. know, like, like he's been he's been in such a slump for so long. I'm pretty sure he's probably tried everything mm-hmm. uh, by this point. Like, there's, I don't think there's anything he's he's discounted by now. It's like, oh, no, that can't be it. No, I, I feel like that's not his way of thinking. But, it, yeah, if he doesn't know how he was able to do it all in the first place, it, it's like in Bull Durham, you know, when. When Nukalouche finally like throws a strike, you know something with uh, w- with what Annie told him, he's just like that was amazing. How did I just do that? <laughs> like, like, like I feel like that's where Yelich wasn't. But like typically when you have like hot stretches like that, they only last like a little bit. It's like oh yeah, you know I had it. Now I just kind of lost it again. I don't know what happened. That that typically only lasts like a couple of weeks. He had his for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's just gone. So it's like like you have it for a year and a half. You think that's just okay. This is who he is now. Like, this is plenty sample size. Like, this is who he is. But now it's just gone again. We see it in spurts. It's it's there in, in glimpses. We saw it with the cycle. But since the cycle, he's hitting, he's hitting under 200 since the cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's weird because for a while, you know, in, we kept blaming it on the injuries. Like, he had the, you know, the knee injury, the kneecap uh at the end of 2019, that was obviously super fluky and unfortunate. He comes back from that and doesn't look great in 2020. Then he's got the back injuries off and on. He has he's out for it. He comes back, not quite uh, uh, healthy, so he goes back on IL, comes back in, says he's healthy, but still doesn't look right. So, so for a while, it seemed like, okay, it's like he's got to get past these injuries, but I haven't heard anything that's had anything to do with his back in since last year. So he's, yeah, he's no, perfectly healthy, right? There's but, no indication that health has anything to do with what he's not doing right now. Um, so it, it's, we can't blame it on that anymore. Like just got to figure it out. Uh, and for that little bit, he looked like he did. And now he's not again, but there's some positive results, um, hopefully, to build upon for these last few games. And sometimes that's what you need is you just you need things to go your way for a little bit so you can build the confidence, know what you're doing is working and not try and tinker with things um, and start getting in your own head. Maybe that happens to him. Maybe he builds on it, snowballs in a positive way. And we start having the is Yelly back conversation again, because I would love to have that conversation again. That's a fun conversation, unlike the conversations we've been having so far in this episode yeah it's been uh been a little more uh depresso espresso uh here today on <laughs> <laughs> the gold brew pod um yeah it, it'd be it'd be really nice to be able to to get him back and have that conversation again i feel like we've had it a lot like like we do this song and dance all the time you know is he back is he not um and that's just kind of you know maybe what he needs and I mean, this this is just me spitballing here. But if it is something mental, as you're talking about there, maybe he needs a number of Corbin Burns's uh, sports performance psychologist <laughs> coach that that he talked to after his 2019 season that 
does not exist, uh, did not exist, had never happened, uh, 2019 for Corbin Burns, never happened. Um, you know, maybe he needs uh, to talk to that guy because whatever Corbin Burns did with that dude clearly worked. You know, yeah. <laughs> like Burns has been great. You know, obviously stands for, you know, Thursday here where he did not have his best stuff going. But still, overall, Burns have been fantastic since that. So maybe that's something that he can unlock. Someone who has maybe a bit more psychological training than you or me. My uh, communications degree and uh, whatever degree you got. Uh, I do, do not have one. <laughs> no, yeah. Nope. Uh, so, no. So, yeah, yeah. So even more someone, someone who has a degree in this shit. <laughs> yeah. I, that would be nice. Uh, also... We have a pitching lab. Why do we not have this amazing hitting lab? Why have we not uh, gotten to that point yet? Where's the hitting lab, guys? Yeah, the hitting lab. I mean, like, is this just more a rhetorical question or an actual question? No, it's a rhetorical question. Okay, good. <laughs> I was going to say, we could dive into why that's not a thing, but yeah. Uh, um, anyways, you know, one guy who, who looks like he has come out of a hitting lab to switch gears here a little bit. Going down on the farm, Jackson Churio looks Ooh. like he's come out of a hitting lab. My God. He has been absolutely on fire since being promoted to low A Carolina. And uh, all reports, like uh, I saw a report like before, even in extended spring training for like that month that full season ball was going and uh, Churio wasn't there. He was just absolutely dominating extended spring training, just raking over everybody. So... He gets a promotion to Low A Carolina early May, and he's been there for a little over a month now, and he just continues to absolutely dominate uh, at every level. I believe he had another home run tonight here, plus a triple, and he's hitting like three for three in the nightcap of a doubleheader. And overall, he's got like an OPS over 1,000. He's got like 15 doubles or something already, I think, plus like four or five home runs now. Jackson Churio is rapidly becoming the best prospect in the Brewers system. And I don't think that's an overreaction to say at this point. No, not at all. I mean, there's been plenty of times where, you know, your top prospect is a guy way down at the, you know, single A levels. Um, Not often, but it does happen. Um, and he is just absolutely destroying it, um, showing exactly why the Brewers um, you know, went and made him their priority during that international signing period um, and signing him first. It, it It's crazy that, like, I, I can't think of the last time uh, that we've seen a guy come in and just absolutely destroy it at the low A level, um, just right off the bat. And for as extended of a period of a time that he's doing, the nice thing about it is now he just adds to that outfield depth. That's been amazing. Uh, we keep talking about Garrett Mitchell and Joey Weimer and Sal Freelich and how the future of the Brewers outfield is so bright. Had Bert Perez, who's now been kind of turning things back up again. He had a little yeah. bit of adjustment to low A. Now you throw Jackson Churio in this as well. Um, my Lord, like, what are they going to do with all these outfielders? Um, I mean, you have to imagine that, yeah, maybe some get used as assets at this point and not sure, you know, what that means for the future, but a bunch of these guys will end up playing major league games for the Brewers. And Churio is trying to do everything he can to make sure he's going to be one of them. Yeah. And this kid is 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the only player born in the year 2004. Sorry, I should have warned everyone about feeling old. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, the only player born in 2004 in full season ball um, down in the minor leagues. And he's hitting 373 with a 420 on base percentage and an OPS over 1,000. Five home runs. Um 13 doubles, two triple, actually three triples now, and six home runs. You know, these stats haven't been updated yet. But he's hitting over 370, OPS over 1,000. 
it's it's insane. Uh, the baseball America, the guys at Baseball America absolutely love Jackson Churio, especially Josh Norris, uh, mm-hmm. who is now the official driver of the Jackson Churio hype train. I offered to drive if Josh wasn't the official driver. Um, and JJ Cooper, <laughs> the senior <laughs> editor of Baseball America, is like, Josh is the driver of this hype train. Don't <laughs> don't worry about that. I'm like, okay, fine. I I will let him drive. Uh, I am busy enough with the Hedbert Perez hype train as it is. Um, but yeah, the, the Jackson Churio hype train is certainly going a whole lot faster than the Hedbert Perez hype train right about now. That's okay though. Uh, Hedbert Perez, yeah. like I said, he's been, uh, it, he's going to get there. He got a very slow start for the year. Um, very but slow. he has definitely, let's, let's get, let's get a little Hedbert Perez. Let's dig yeah, into Hedbert Perez, man. Let's do um, it. Yeah, we talked enough about that Jackson Churio guy being the top <laughs> prospect, most likely in the organization. I, I still might go with Joey Weimer over Churio just because Weimer is closer. Yeah. But man, the upside potential oh, with yeah. Churio is insane. But yeah, Perez, you know, on the season he's hitting 220, got an OPS of of 656. Um, but let me try and he's, pull over. He's his... on a little he's on a little five game hit streak right now. Hedbert Perez is. Uh, he's yeah. got two two home runs in the last five games as well. Four RBIs. Um he has scored two runs there. But, yeah, um, in the month of June, he's hitting 269. He's got 500 slugging percentage, which is there we go. very nice. Love that. Uh, so, yeah. And, and even going into June, he was starting to heat up a little bit. Um, he was looking good towards the end of May there. He had a four-for-five game on May 24th. Mm, love it. Yeah. A home run, three doubles. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. So, starting, you know, it, when these get – Hedbert Perez, he's young too. He just turned 19 recently, so he is um, absolutely, you know, makes sense that a guy that young is going to take a little bit to adjust to pro ball. Jackson Churio is out of his mind right now. This is not normal stuff that he's doing right now. Um, guys, you know, get that first taste of affiliated ball, and yeah, sometimes they uh, attack it a little slowly. But good hitters, good players will overcome that eventually and start to build up a little bit. And this is what we're kind of starting to see out of Perez now. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it, the, that hype train's still going. It slowed down for a little bit, but the hype train hasn't stopped. Here, here's the crazy stat that I saw with, with Churio, though, is that Churio has, I, I think, as many four-hit games as an 18-year-old in, in affiliated ball as Wanda Franco... Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna Jr., and Fernando Tatis Jr. did combined. Mm-hmm. And those guys were studs, like, all the way through. And those guys made it up to the big leagues at a very, very young age. And even he is doing things at a level and at an age that they did not do. Yeah. So I- the Jackson Churio hype train has reached ludicrous speed. <laughs> They like it's gone to plaid. That is how ludicrous speed they've gone. And I hope everyone knows the reference here. If you don't watch Spaceballs, highly, highly recommend more movie references here on the Cobra Pod. But Spaceballs, Rick Moranis, Bill Pullman, fantastic. Mel Brooks, gotta see it. Yeah. Oh, classic. Absolutely. You, you like comedies? Gotta do it. Gotta do it. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? <laughs> oh my God, I haven't I actually haven't seen it in a while. Oh yeah. my God, I gotta cue that one back up. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I have it on DVD here <laughs> because, of course, I do. Don't know that we own a single DVD anymore. I'm not gonna lie. Really? Nope, that's not true. I saw when we moved, I saw they might be around here somewhere. Actually, no. Uh, but Game of Thrones. I, I know we have some nice. seasons of that. Um, I, I have all eight seasons of that as well. Yes. I I don't know what we would play them. Oh, no, I have PlayStation somewhere. No, yeah, we'd be good. We're good. We're good. Although I have not rewatched season eight of Game of Thrones since it aired. 
I never, we I'm, never actually got through it. I think you got, never finished it. No, we got halfway what? through season five. Five. Um, and then we. You stop before three. the best season. Season six is the best. Oh, okay. Dude, yeah, season five was a little bit of eh. I mean, I, I think the way it ended was great, but season six, 100%, the best season, hands down. Like, incredible. We'll have to get some HBO Max back then at some point because we you don't have, have any DVD. Only up to five. Actually, I don't even. Oh, know only up to five. I thought you said get all of them. Watch that. We might have streamed that. Come to think of it, I can't remember. But no, nope, you gotta we'll, watch it. We'll get there. We'll get there. There's a lot of stuff happening. A lot of stuff. But happening. first, but first, we need to spend all of our time watching the Brewers lose every single day. Exactly. Priorities, man. Ah. Yeah, things have been uh. Things have been rough uh, during this yeah. homestand, as we've kind of talked about. It's like, okay, uh, things keep on seeming to go from bad to worse. You know, like, you know, you got the Brandon Woodruff injury that pops up. You know, his ankle is bothering him, whatever. You know, that seems like, okay, you know, he, he took the mound uh, on Thursday here. And, uh, you know, it's like, okay, you know, he's progressing back. Should be fine. And then all of a sudden, Craig Council lets us know that uh, he's dealing with a little bit of a Raynaud's disease or syndrome or something where he's got like a little bit of a loss of circulation in his fingers and his throwing hand. It's like, well, that's not good. How does this just all of a sudden pop up? Some, some sort of like a, some sort of like immune thing, autoimmune thing or whatever. And Woodruff now all of a sudden is having a tough time gripping the baseball because he's, he's not getting enough circulation in his fingers. Like can, can think, I don't, I don't want to ask. I, I don't want to ask if things can get any worse. I, I don't want to do it because somehow it'll happen. Yeah. It, but it seems when, like we're already there. Just when things, like you said, just when things seem like they're getting a little bit better, that's when they drop that news. And I was I was trying to uh, do my best Googling about it earlier, and uh, it seems like Reno syndrome, for the most part, is a minor thing, but it can be... Uh, I, I I feel like this is going to be a not that serious thing, but I mean, I'm crossing my fingers. I'm knocking on wood. I'm throwing salt over my shoulder as I say that. Um, hopefully it's hopefully it's not a big deal. I don't know. But it also was like they said, it was the first time he had thrown off flat ground, I think, uh, since he initially suffered the injury. So it's the first chance they've had to see that that's even a thing. So maybe it is a one-day thing. It just happened. Maybe he, maybe he was wearing a tight sleeve or something that cut off some circulation, or maybe he was sitting by some air conditioning. I don't know. Um, but we we don't need any more of this because just a couple of days ago when uh, Willie Adams was react no which one came uh, Hunter Renfro came back first when Renfro was reactivated. We're talking about all the possible guys who could end up going down uh, in his place to clear up a roster spot, and it turns out it's that Trevor Gott got injured and got got injured, haha, uh, and ends up going to the IL. And of course, you never see stuff like that coming, but we don't need any more of these injuries. We've already got. It's nice that we got um, Urias back now. You know, he was out. He didn't uh, end up going on the IL, um, but he's back in the lineup. We got Adamas back. We got Renfro back. But Wong now uh, is missing games. Not Wong's got a calf, yet. yeah. Yeah, uh, Narvaez isn't back. Sounds like he might be soon. He was cleared um, from COVID protocols and was seen in the dugout today, so he can be around teammates again. Um, sounds like he's going to go on the road with the Brewers, and then it's just a matter of whether they can. Um, he needs you know a couple days to get his feet underneath him. Um, but we still got those two outs, and now you add got to it, and we've got a number of other relievers out on top of woodruff and peralta and for the love of god just let it stop just let it stop no more please please let me help you (laughs) uh we need a sacrifice of rum and a full chicken to Uh jabu uh in order to appease him and bring good fortune onto this team yeah no doubt so, Ooh. I will head to KFC. Um, <laughs> Matt, find some rum. <laughs> I got some We're good. There we go. 
There we go. I got, I got KFC right up the road. Nice. All right. We'll have this taken care of soon, guys. Uh, we'll be back in the wind column tomorrow. There we go. Solved it. Solved the problem. Boom. You're welcome, everybody. Um, well, it also helps that we'll be playing the Nationals here. Uh, that, <laughs> <Fully>. <laughs> that could help. But, uh, yeah, another another three-city road trip, man. The final, Like, three straight three-city road trips. We're on the final one here. Um, Washington, the New York Mets, and then Cincinnati Reds. So you got two bad teams with a good team sandwiched in the middle. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the stretch against a bad team here against the Nationals will be able to help them uh, get going a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it certainly helped uh, last month uh, when, when it got them going, uh, when they were playing them and the Reds, and I think maybe the Cubs were thrown in there. Uh, Pirates, actually, probably is who it was. bunch of bad teams. So, um, yeah, it gets a little scary after that um, for a few games against the Mets, like you uh, said uh, before. Then the uh, Reds, but also nice to actually have a day off in between again, so it's not like we have to play a crazy stretch um, of 18 games in 17 days that ends in a three-city road trip. So this one could be a little bit more manageable. Um, and you know what? If, if if we lose any other series the rest of the year, if it has to be against the Mets so that um, they can see in person how bad of a team David Stearns has assembled and don't want to go <laughs> ahead and try and poach him from us, I would be okay with that. I'm just saying. I, I, I think I would accept that. In reality, I would like to destroy the Mets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it would always be nice to destroy the Mets, especially considering, I mean, DeGrom is out. I think Scherzer is still out. Mm-hmm. So it's like their top two guys are down. I mean, sure, yeah. we're down Freddie Peralta and McGill potentially still, still Woodruff. But, uh, uh, no, except McGill comes back this weekend, so that sucks. Yeah. So, but still, they should be able to do something. Yes. You know, that'd be that'd be nice. You know, I, I like winning. I don't know about you, Matt. Actually, no, I do. No, you, you, you like winning. Uh, I do. I do. Yeah. I'm, Just a I'm little quite bit. quite fond of it. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun to win. We've been having, this, this has been a no fun week, Matt. No fun had at oh. all. Zero Very, fun, sir. No, no fun zone. 2.125 runs per game this month. Like I said, geez, guys. And the... It doesn't help when your uh, starting pitching, you know, isn't quite uh, holding up their end of the bargain either. You get a, a start like Corbin Burns had today. Adrian Hauser got roughed up the other day. It's been just not quite what you expect from those guys either, um, except for Jason Alexander. Go figure. He's had two yeah. good starts, and the Brewers haven't been able to pull out wins for him. Want to so, get nuts? Let's get nuts. Let's get nuts. Oh my God! There, there were there was a severe lack of Seinfeld memes or gifs during uh, Jason Alexander's second start. Yeah, I was disappointed with Brewers Twitter. Yeah, I was disappointed myself that I didn't do it as much. But also, there was a lot of traffic on the base paths, and you know he didn't really allow runs to score. But it was very kind of a frustrating thing. Plus, I mean, Brewers Twitter is really kind of down in the dumps at the moment. I mean, yeah, that's true. Six-game losing streak. Uh, you know, things not going well, especially like at home. It's like, okay, the Brewers had an off day. Renfro came back. Adamas came back. Things should be looking up. Things should be good. And yet they're still losing. And it's just like, can we not? Like, like, like now it's just kind of depressing. Like before it was just like, okay, yeah, you know, I kind of get it. You know, long stretch. You know, guys are hurt. Whatever. But now they're back. Now you've had a day off. And it's just like, well, let's get it going now. Like, like, I think everyone just kind of assumed, like, oh, like, you have that off day on Monday. Like, now everyone's going to come back Tuesday and you're going to be recharged and everything's going to be great. But also, you kind of just ran into a hot team in mm-hmm. Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. Who just no, fired their manager, actually. Right. And uh, unlike the Angels, it has actually sparked the Phillies a little bit. Um. It, we're not even going to talk about the whole Nickelback thing. That you don't want to talk about the whole Nickelback thing. I was, I was right. just about to bring it up. Uh, yes, the the Angels just I don't know whose bright idea this was decided that everyone's walk up music the other day in the second game after 
Joe Madden got fired yeah. was going to be a Nickelback song. Because yeah. that's what motivates your team? Like that like that's like, hey, we are going to end this losing streak. You're gonna be you're gonna be listening to Nickelback until this losing streak ends. So it's trying to be a motivation, kind of like reverse psychology. It's like we're gonna play this until until you win as a way to get them to win so that they'd stop having that that they wouldn't have to listen to Nickelback all the time. But I can't tell who this is punishing more. The players who have to deal with this all the time and have to deal with that added pressure of trying to get rid of Nickelback or the fans who have to sit there for three hours and every time one of their batters comes up, they hear Nickelback. Yeah, not pretty. And it did not work. I think they scored once in that game. They lost one to nothing. Oh, that's what it was. (laughs) Jeez. Uh, yeah, no, your reverse psychology did not work, and it punished the fans. Don't ever do that again, Angels. That was very, very dumb. I, uh, I think that, like, like I, I feel like at this point, they got to just kind of keep on doing it until they win, you know? God, no. no don't, don't don't encourage this, David. That This is ridiculous. Hey, I'm not an Angels fan. I'm not stuck there in that stadium. Well, but, but what did so they do? It sounds like their us? problem. But as, as of this moment, the Angels do have a 2-1 to one lead. Ooh. Courtesy of, you guessed it, Shohei Otani. Naturally. Uh, who just naturally. who just hit a home run. Um, for his team, by the way. I think he still does. I don't think anything changed. Anyway. Um, Dude, uh, do you follow Alden Gonzalez? He's uh, a, actually, that's one writer I don't. Yeah, he's an ESPN baseball reporter. He's covering the Angels, and he just keeps on <laughs> putting <laughs> Nickelback references Oh, so they did. They did get rid of Nickelback for for the game tonight uh, here mm-hmm. on, on Thursday. Um, someone posted a picture about the Angels media elevator breaking um, the day their losing streak started, and Alan Gonzalez is like, "Look at this photograph." Oh, jeez. Oh my. <laughs> but like, the, he had this whole thread um, on that day about uh, Nickelback. Let me let me see if I can uh, go through the start here. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I can report that every Angels player will walk up to Nickelback tonight. Coaches decided as a way to shake things up. Um, it's like all of you getting on the Angels for choosing Nickelback need to realize they've been starting games to train for more than a decade here. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just kind of goes on. The Angels are clearly through with getting in line at clubs. They'll never get in. It's like the bottom of the ninth and they're never going to win. Oh, Jesus. Uh, if this doesn't work, I, I will. that at first. If this doesn't work, I wonder if they'll cut their hair or change their name. Alden, I, we we need to have words. That's. Uh, I, I mean, if, like, like I feel like at that point you just kind of have to like you have to make Nickelback references to to make yourself laugh to keep yourself from crying. You know. <laughs> That's true. This is very true. So. Uh, so. As bad as it is, Brewers fans, at least we're not the Angels. True. We also don't have Tony Larusa as manager. Um, <laughs> if if anyone didn't see that today, Tony Larusa um, wa- intentionally walked a guy with a one-two count on him, Trey Turner, you, with a you're one-two ahead count. in the count. And because apparently the the situation was there was a wild pitch and Freddie Freeman was able who was on first was able to get to second, and that meant that oh we need to actually intentionally walk him to face uh, not Gavin Lux uh, Max Muncie, uh, yeah. I believe was on deck and his uh, um, logic behind it was well I mean Trey Turner with two strikes on him is a very good hitter. He's not. Uh, the, the, <laughs> people looked up the numbers afterwards, 100%. Friend of the good. podcast, Robert Murray, has the numbers right here. And one, yeah. two counts, Trey Turner is a career 197 hitter with a 204 on base percentage and 304 slugging. So that's bad. Yeah. That's a bad slash line. Because most hitters are not in a favorable position when they're in a one, two count. No. And even if he was, even if he was, tell your pitcher to throw outside. To try and get him to chase. And if you walk him, you walk him. But, 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 I mean, teams do that all the time where you 
air quotes here for anyone who can't see this, which is everyone but David, <laughs> pitch to a guy, but you're really not pitching to the guy. You're picking at the zone. You're trying to throw outside the zone. You're trying to get him to chase. An the guy unintentional, chase, intentional and you're fine walk. with that. Yes, the unintentional and intentional walk. Exactly. That's all you had to do. And if he gets on base, fine. You don't look like an idiot afterwards. But maybe you end up getting the guy to swing at something. And then yeah. you don't have to end up facing Max Muncy with two guys on. Like, it just... And then he doubled and tripled down on it afterwards in the press conference, too. Which, of course, he does, because he's Tony La Russa. Like, yeah. that part wasn't surprising one bit. No. And, like, also, if you do it that way, if you do the unintentional, intentional walk, you don't extremely piss off Max Muncy. Yeah. Because, like, wait a minute, you're intentionally walking a guy to get to me? Mm-hmm. Like... A hitter sees that and's like, oh, like, like now I'm pissed. All and of course, time. Max Muncy ends up channeling uh, being pissed into hitting a home run. And it's like, well, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. So I made you pay for it. I, I think uh, Jeff Passon tweeted like, you know, someone yelled, he had two strikes, Tony. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And the Tony, Tony's lost it. Uh, he. I would say he needs to retire, but he did retire 10 years ago. And for some reason, the White Sox brought him out of it. And I am also glad I'm not a White Sox fan. Yeah. Glad I'm not a White Sox fan or an Angels fan. Just it could be worse, everybody. For everyone that that complains about Craig Council, it could be a lot worse. And there have been I've about had enough with y'all who are actually considering the fact that we've got a managerial problem in Milwaukee right now, the guy who's kept us in first place while navigating all these injuries and, you know, the rotation not looking good uh, quite uh, the way it should at the beginning of the season and our bullpen basically being, you know, three guys and three dudes and a bunch of other kind of meh. We're still in first. Don't forget that. There's not a managerial problem in Milwaukee. I know it's the... There was a managerial problem in 2009 and 2010. That's when we had a managerial problem. For real. We do not have one now. No. I I, I get it's the most chicken little of Brewers social media people who are doing this, but I feel like I'm seeing way more of it than I should right now. And I don't like it. Any of it at all is more than we should. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But such is the struggle when you have a lot of people on social media that feel the need to uh, speak their mind. And a lot of people that uh, that follow you and uh, reply to things and try to ask about, should we fire him? And I'm just like, eh, no, 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 not happening, guys. No. Oh, is it, well, these other guys fired the manager in a losing streak. Yeah, well, you know, that's. That's not going to happen. Um, Mark Atanasio was impatient with losing streaks before when he fired Ned Yost when he really shouldn't have. And I think he regrets that. I think he still regrets that. Um, and it proved to be a mistake firing Ned Yost because then afterwards he hired Ken Maka, uh, who's, who sat there for two years with a thumb up his butt um, in the manager's chair. Um, God, I hate Ken Maka. Anyways, um, I don't think Mark Anasio is going to going to be doing that again anytime no. soon. And let's not forget Joe Madden and uh, Joe, Girardi. Joe Girardi have not brought their team to the last four postseasons. Exactly. Exactly. And they don't have uh, quite the attachment to the teams that they are with as Craig Council does to the Brewers uh, with with their history uh, together. So. Bad time to be a manager named Joe, uh, it appears. Guess so. Joe Madden, Joe Girardi. Um, it's just uh, not a good time. Not not a good time to be a manager named Joe. Nope. If only LaRusso's first name was Joe. Yeah, well, if only. All right, I think that's a I think that's a good good spot to end it uh, for this week's Cobra podcast. Um, Hopefully, we'll have some more good news to talk about um, on next week's pod, and uh, hopefully the Brewers can get back on back on the winning track. So, 
That'll do it. We'll be back again next week for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.